Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Joining me as always is Jacob. Hello. And I'm Greg B., here to talk to you today about Mars Needs Mechanics. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, so mentioned this on the last podcast, but I got to play Santorini recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Santorini is a game that's been going pretty big online recently. Yeah, it seems like a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it has like those little plastic pieces that you're actually like building up the, these towers and that kind of stuff. It's based on the Greek town of Santorini, which is, you know, those all beautiful white buildings Mm. with, like, some of them having the blue domes and that kind of stuff on top. And the point of the game is to have one of your workers be on the third level of a building on top of it. Okay. As someone who hasn't played Santorini, this sounds very simple. It is a very simple game, but at the same time, those always belie the most strategic plays sure so your worker can move unlike most games they can't they can move diagonally as well as orthogonally okay you move once and build once okay so you move and then you build in any of the adjacent squares one piece of the building so it could be the base it could be the second the third or the um the actual dome okay so you can only be on top of the building if the dome has not been placed. So the dome is almost something that caps off the building so that it, no one can go onto that third level. Okay, and I'm guessing you can build onto other players' towers? Oh yeah, there's uh, these towers are just communal. Okay. Like, they're just there. So it's, it's very much a game about sort of positioning. Y- and... Yes, exactly. Yeah, that positioning aspect, and then also you can only move, since you only move once, and you can only move up one level each time so you can't go from like one to three or from zero to three okay you have to go from zero to one one to two two to three so you have to kind of stair step it yeah exactly and then you spend most of the game just trying to both block your opponents as well as building up your own way of trying to get to that top level how many players can be in a game it is from two to four players okay i played with four players and it was really fun because the way that it works is at that point you're in teams. Oh, interesting. So it's, I think it's uh, two players is uh, one versus the other. Three players, I think, is everyone is still on their own team right. or that on makes their sense. own person. Four players is two teams. Okay. So how big is the grid? The grid is, I believe, a either a four by four or five, five by five grid. Okay. So then teams make sense because if it yeah. was like a four player free for all. You'd get pretty crowded in there. It would be very crowded. It would be very difficult not let someone win immediately. Right. And the other interesting thing is that you can also have god cards. So these are god cards based on the Greek gods, and each of them has a different ability. So I forget what the name of the god that I had was, but I was able to build, move, build. So I could do that as long as I didn't go up a step. Okay. So So if if I stayed on the same level, didn't go up, I could build, move, build. Okay. And when you build, do you build beneath yourself or beside no, yourself? No, you cannot build on any spot that is occupied by any player. Okay. So it, it is always on an empty spot. And then my partner could build twice on one spot. One of the people on their team could build twice, but they had to be on different spots. Okay. And the other person on their team could win the game if they jumped off from a two-story building to the ground. Wow. Yeah. That seems 
really powerfully versatile. Yes. Because then you're introducing a whole different set of considerations that the other team has to yeah. watch out for. And, the, and it was it was interesting because we used Trawazi to figure out who was going to choose the gods. And it turned out to be me, who had never played the game before. So I was just like, sure, I'll choose this one, this one, this one. <laughs> Arbitrary then, god. Yeah, but then the, the way that you choose who gets which god is the person to the left of the uh, person who chose all the gods gets to choose. And he was one of the guys who knew how to play. <laughs> and so he immediately took that one that you know, jumped down from two to, to do that. Right, yeah, because right? I mean... <laughs> And then my partner took the build two on one, which turned out to be actually the worst of the the two of them because build two on two separate ones is better because then you could go from you could build a one platform and then build up a one platform to two, and then you have like the steps right there. Versus building two on one just means oh one two oh you can't get there. Right. Yeah. What am I gonna do now? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was interesting. We still managed to win the two newbies. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, while the two people who played it. Uh, did lose just barely it was one mistake on on the other player's part that actually lost them the game he went on a defensive strategy to try to stop us from doing something rather Mm -hmm. than an offensive strategy that would have uh, let them win had he just you know gone and tried to uh, build more for them gotcha because they would have been able to get there before like the turn order would have been that they would have been on top of the third uh, third story the turn like literally right before we were going to be up on the third story oh wow so had he not done that, we wouldn't have won. But it was a lot of fun. The rules are simple, but the the gameplay is quite compelling. And I always love the team games where you don't necessarily discuss what you're doing with your teammate. You just have to like hope that they know what to do and that kind of stuff. Right, so. that they're kind of picking up on the same signals that, that yeah. you're sending. So Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'd, I'd be interested in playing it. The sort of, you know... Physical, especially vertical mm-hmm. positioning, building or uh, games like that is something that you don't see a lot of, yeah. but sounds really intriguing. So, yeah, it's a really good game, and hopefully, it'll be back in print soon because right now it's impossible to get. So, in addition to that, we had a chance to play uh, role player again, which mm-hmm. you had talked about last week as being able to play. We sat down with your roommate, played a game, and this was a lot of fun. You know, it, it's pretty convoluted in terms of just the amount of things that can happen to your dice you know you're mm-hmm. you're rolling your dice you're picking which dice that you want to put into your tableau but then it's constitution can move them up and down dexterity can move them back and forth like there's a lot going on mm-hmm. so it's not as obvious and straightforward you know because so i'm playing a warrior mm-hmm. and that means i need to get 18 strength but you know there's lots of different ways to do that i can place a five and bump it up or i can place i think i actually ended up placing a one in one of those slots and using strength's ability to flip it completely to its opposite face that just sort of allow you to do lots of things that you wouldn't normally think you'd be able to do and wouldn't necessarily be obvious when you're looking at it so it was lots of fun to sort of feel out that depth mm-hmm. you know you had played it once before but it was it was my first time playing it was your roommate's first time playing we didn't know what traits to expect what skills to expect so we were really kind of flying blind and it was interesting to see how all of those different things came together and the sort of strategies that we ended up adopting or creating almost because of the simply the traits that we were able to purchase. Yeah, the traits and also the fact that you get a random background and a random alignment. Yeah. So it's it's a very interesting game. I do quite enjoy it. It's definitely 
has some very interesting flavor. Yeah, in it. I, it's so creative just in terms of concept. You know, it's like character creation is something that everybody does, you know, here and there. You know, you just you build a character and it's a stepping stone on your path to playing that character. Mm-hmm. You know, so the idea to take, you know, something that is still very fundamentally a game mechanic, rolling mm-hmm. dice, and turn it into okay, well, let's turn this into its own game, I think is just so creative. And the execution, too, is really quite successful, I feel like. You know, a lot yeah. of people have complaints about dice-based games being too chance-based. Mm-hmm. But between, you know, the attribute abilities and being able to manipulate the faces on the dice or re-roll them or move them around, and then some of the workarounds that you can get regarding uh, skills that allow you to do special things, I think that's really not that much of an issue in mm-hmm. terms of you know luck of the role really being what determines how you end up one thing that i will say though i think luck of the the draw almost makes a bigger difference just in terms of what colors of dice come up because yeah. so in the game that we played you know i was a warrior a red class you were a druid of course a green class and then your roommate was a cleric a white class and proportionally you know we had at least 50% more red dice come up than anything else, which means I have access to a pool of points that you guys just are denied mm-hmm. simply by virtue of, you know, luck of what comes out of the bag. So there is still a little bit that you that you can't really mitigate unless you get extremely lucky like I did and get access to a skill or something else that allows you to trade dice for dice of a different yeah. color. But on the whole, I think they did as good a job as possible of mitigating some of that the impact that luck would otherwise have on such a dice-based game. Yeah, I completely agree. And there you have it. That's a look at what we've been playing. Space, the final frontier for no man... Jacob, quit monologuing. We're just going to Mars, damn it. And fix that leak so we can review Mars Needs Mechanics. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> so yeah, Mars Needs Mechanics is a game by Ben Rossett, same person who did Brewcrafters. It is, however, pretty vastly different than Brewcrafters, where that was a worker placement game with some pretty heavy mechanics. This is very simple. It's essentially just uh, an economic simulator. You've got components, and you are attempting to buy low, sell high, in order to get cogs for those components, cogs being the form of currency. And at the end of the game, whoever has the most cogs wins. Um, along the way, you can use the components to build what are called mechanisms, which change the game in small ways, You know, increasing the value of a set of components that you sell or um, allowing you to perform extra actions, special actions, things like that. But really the, the core of the game is buying and selling and trading components. Yeah, pretty much. The game is pretty simple in that way. It also has a cool mechanic where the way that the price is determined is based on almost demand. So if you buy a certain item this turn, that one goes to the top of this track, which will then be increased in value for the next turn. If it hasn't been purchased this turn, it goes down to the bottom and it will then be decreased in value. So that's how the whole 
economic engine works pretty much so you can play it by you know you buy when it's at a very low point and then you just keep buying and buying and buying more as they keep and keep getting more expensive of course that's going to take a bit of money but at the same time you're then earning more on that first one that you bought before selling it and if i remember correctly you can sell all of one type a set of one type pretty much correct uh when you sell and so you need to actually hoard a certain number of each type of component before you can sell it so you can't just like buy one then sell that one you actually have to have the set right and the minimum for a set is three so there's sort of since you can only buy you know one component i believe per turn there's a you know, sort of a process that you have to go through. You have to build up and sort of strategically determine, okay, these are what's in demand. These are what's, you know, less popular right now. So I'm going to scoop up a bunch of these and make a play for, you know, three, four, five turns down the road. Yeah, exactly. And so you can also screw other people in that way by, you know, oh, they need this one other one in order to, uh, to get the set. And you just buy it from them and they can't get it. And at this point, they can't sell theirs. And if you have any components left at the end of the game, they're worthless. So especially in the late game, there can be those plays where you know, the components that are out are completely out. And you can run out of components. So at one point, you're not going to have any more lenses left in the whole deck. And if you're stuck with two of them, even if they are still at the highest point in the in the value curve, you can't sell them, and therefore you can't use them. Yep. So this is where another mechanic or another card comes in, which is the scrap metal. Yep. Scrap metal is something that each player starts with two of, and it functions similar to a component, except it can't be used to build mechanisms, and instead it only serves to stand in for a missing component when you sell a set. So say, for example, in that in that previous example, where you have two lenses at the end of the game and you really want to offload them because they're incredibly valuable, but you don't have a third lens, you can substitute a scrap metal in order to sell that set. Now, the scrap metal itself is always worth zero, you know, no matter what sort of component you're selling it with, what the value of that component is. But, you know, if you're selling lenses for seven each, 14 cogs is better than the no cogs that you would get if those lenses just sat dead in your hand. So scrap metal being something that you only get at the start of the game, it's a very finite resource and you have to be very, you know, tactical about how you use it. You know, do you want to spend your early turns just sort of making plays for sets of components and then wait to see how the chips fall towards the end of the game and patch up your, you know, your hand? get the points where you can or do you want to use them early to give yourself an early influx of cogs so that you can purchase you know components that are expensive and that other people might be priced out of so there's a lot of of decision making that has to go into that particular mechanic and it's a it's a good one that really plays off some of the you know economic supply and demand scarcity mechanics of the game yeah, yeah. I will correct you on one thing. The scrap metal is used for at least one mechanism, the rocket booster. Oh, my mistake. So it can be used for that too. And I actually remember that being an, uh, something that happened in the first game where a lot of people were using it for the rocket booster. But luckily, when you make mechanisms, you can then take them apart and actually regain all of the components that were used to create them. So 
it's nice that you don't have that loss of components. You can still use them, and it actually encourages the you know disassembly and then reassembly of the different mechanisms. And you know, taking one apart, making uh, selling one of the components, making something else out of the whatever's remaining, so on and so forth. So. The mechanisms themselves are pretty interesting. They each do something slightly different. They can change the game a little bit. In one way, you get certain bonuses, certain abilities to just different abilities that you can do in general. And you can like look at cards that, that are coming up. You can do other things. And even one of the ones that, that we were looking at today, the one that costs all, all the different types of components, uh, gives you 40 cogs at the end of the game, which is is a huge bonus if you can actually make that. It's the big Bertha of mechanics. Yeah. Or, uh, mechanisms, excuse me. And the mechanisms themselves are not unique. So I can have the same mechanism as Greg. And even though we can each only have one mechanism at a time, we can, you know, have the same one. So we can each have the X-ray goggles. We can each have the difference engine or the rocket booster or whatever. And that really does add to it. So it's not like you know, I build this before Greg and then he, no one else can have it. And so that that really does also encourage the whole switching up the, uh, the different mechanisms that, that you create. Right. And everything about the design of the mechanisms works very well with what they're intended to do and what they're intended to be. You know, the fact that you're, they're not supposed to be game winning all by themselves except for the automaton you know you're not supposed to just build one have it for the rest of the game and have it be a point making machine and you know this is also reflected in the fact that you can't lock other people out of getting them they're just intended to change the game in small ways so that you're forced to be responsive to the situation that you're seeing and i think responsiveness is kind of a a key word that I would use to describe this game, both in terms of the economic supply and demand management, you know, buy low, sell high, all that sort of thing with the components, and also with the mechanisms. You know, say, for example, in the early game, the X-ray goggles are going to be pretty useful because it allows you to see what's coming up next. It allows you to plan your turns out ahead while you're acquiring lots of components. But then, you know, say the mid to late game, you're going to want to deconstruct that, replace it with something like a difference engine or something else that gives you flexibility, more money when you sell sets that fits your needs at that particular moment. So the design of the mechanisms is very well thought out. I think it, it mirrors perfectly what the game is supposed to be about, which is the process of trading up and down, the process of going through these turns and manipulating these components as opposed to building towards some sort of like final goal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, along with that, it's, it's pretty interesting because the mechanisms themselves can be used almost as storage places for things that you don't have sets for yet. So, you know, you have some kind of component that you, you don't have a set for yet and you have these other sets. You can take apart whatever mechanism you, you have right now. If one of those components matches the set, sell that, create another one, boom, you're still getting some kind of benefit. But at the same time, you're still working with the economics of what is available and what is uh, expensive or inexpensive. Right, that's right. One of the things that we haven't talked about yet is the theme of the game. You've probably picked up on it by now from us talking about automatons and cogs. Uh, the theme of the game is actually sort of like a steampunk spacefaring mm -hmm. 
thing. So that's it's a lot of fun. You know, it sort yeah. of fills a niche. It's not a theme that you see a lot of games exploring. I personally don't feel like it's particularly related to the mechanics. You know, it's not like other games that we talk about where absolutely the mechanic and the, you know, the theme are fundamentally linked to one another. But at the same time, it's not something that you feel like is a hindrance to the game because it's you know it's fun it's just hey let's throw together something that's powered by steam and jet fuel and, and get pr- probably not jet fuel probably more like raw diesel gasoline but <laughs> um you know and and get our way to mars and and have elbow grease and yeah socket wrenches yeah i mean like i, I like the theme in general it's fun like the illustrations are cool the components are actually really nice like the the cogs themselves they didn't go for just you know printing cogs on cardboard and you know having them circles with like cogs printed on them like you know oh this is a one cog this is a five cog no they have actually like different size cogs for the the gold ones are the ones that are worth five points they're larger they have a hole in the middle and everything like that and then the smaller silver ones they even like fit into the spaces in the cogs for the larger ones so it was really well done which i was really happy about when i played it and it just i think that the theme itself they they could have done any kind of theme with this game, but I do think that this theme fits because you are like just cobbling things together, taking them apart, using them for something else. And in general, it does seem to fit pretty well. So all of that said, you know, mechanics, well-developed theme, really fun and interesting, but no game is perfect. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of, you know, what we identify as the flaws with a game like Yeah, so the first thing that I'll say is just that this may not be really that much of a flaw in the gameplay mechanics or anything like that, but this game is extremely simple, just like many of the other simple games that we've talked about, and it almost, like, isn't as compelling because of that, because I could see this being with a few more mechanics, a few more twists and turns uh, making some things more powerful less powerful I could see this becoming a a much more complex a little bit more heavy game that I may have preferred for this kind of like economic kind of game but as it stands it's really very very light uh, in terms of how it's done yeah absolutely and kind of in the same vein just by its design you know this is something that we mentioned previously the game is very flat um and i'm struggling to find a better way to convey this idea but you know the game doesn't really move towards a climax you know with the exception of the automaton the mechanisms themselves don't actually give you points you know you're not building towards a final climactic moment where you see the culmination of these engines that you've built or the the you know characters that you've put together it's just kind of the same mechanics over and over and over from turn to turn which is a success in some ways it's very successfully executed but just in terms of the the sort of payoff i feel like you know there's not a lot of excitement to the end of a game it's more just oh okay yeah i had this many cogs i won you know you're not you're not moving towards a big final goal it's just suddenly the game is over yeah yeah it's just almost a little bit jarring in that way just because of the fact that it doesn't really have a thematic reason for ending just that the cards in the deck ran out 
Right. And it's like, why did the components run out? Like, <laughs> well, clearly, because we're taking apart our ships and we ran out of ships to take apart. Yeah, but what happened to the components after that? Who are we selling them to? What are we doing with them? <laughs> like, we're making mechanisms. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but no, absolutely. That's, that's an excellent point. Yeah, exactly. And along with that, the mechanisms themselves, though they do make some pretty interesting changes, they only, like, you know, slightly alter things. They're not, like game-changing they're not really amazingly powerful of any in any way shape or form it would be nice if they were a little bit more powerful and they had a little bit more of a game effect i think especially because i remember when, when we played a many people had the same mechanism on for just about the entire game even though they could switch into different mechanisms yeah it was I, the kind of thing where like this one was just you know more useful for the moment that kind of thing it was one of the ones that gave you more cogs and it was just okay i'm just going to keep this running the whole time because that's what the game's about yeah. if, if they had a little bit more of a differentiation a little bit more power available i think that that could be a bit better right and one of you know we do have to put a disclaimer on our impressions of this game we have only played using what's called the starting set of mechanisms in any given game According to the default setup, you're only going to be playing with four or five mechanisms. So we've only played the game using sort of the ones that are recommended for beginners, kind of an introductory experience. So that could very well be coloring our perception of how these work. But, you know, looking through the the full list of mechanisms, it seems like a lot of them follow that same pattern of affecting the game in minor ways and being really situationally, responsively useful. So I think those are just, uh, you know, a few of the ways in which the game not necessarily is bad because it's absolutely a good game, but just it highlights how a game doesn't have to have any glaring flaws in order to just kind of be not terribly compelling. You know, it's it's a fun game, but I wouldn't call it a memorable game. Yeah. So let's expand on that a little bit with your rating for the game. My rating is to play it. That's what we did. Well, I suppose not what we did because you actually do own the game. But that's what I did. And I, I'm happy with that. You know, it is, it's a fun game. I kind of get an itch that I need to scratch in terms of that sort of supply, demand, economic management type of game every once in a while, and this is very good at doing that. But I think just in terms of overall enjoyment and the sort of progression of gameplay being, you know, okay, here we go, I'm excited about the possibility of building this thing, all the way through to, all right, it paid off, and I got lots of points, and, like, this is great. Mm -hmm. You know, it just isn't, it's not a game that I would choose. So, play it, I think, from me. I'm going to echo that. I also am going to go for play it, because pretty much the same reason. It's the kind of game that, you know, I enjoyed when I played it. Uh, It's not a game that I'm going to be itching to bring to table. It's not a game that, you know, I'll be like, oh, that, we should definitely play this game. But every once in a while, I'll be like, mm, maybe we'll, we'll pick up Marcin's Mechanics. Uh, you know, I feel like a nice e- economic game with a steampunk feel. Sure, I'll, I'll still play it, and I recommend you try it out at least, especially if you want something with that kind of game feel as well as the economic kind of gameplay. It's definitely a simple game, definitely one that you can uh, teach new people pretty easily. So 
I think it's a solid play it from me. And now let's talk a little bit about some of the games that are similar and ones that you would like probably if you like Marzini's mechanics or vice versa. Uh, the first one that I wanted to mention is one that we recently reviewed and uh, we really enjoyed, which is Paris Connection. So. This has the similar kind of supply and demand mechanic where the uh, the trains themselves are the, the things that you have the supply and demand for, and yet you're still also using them for another purpose, which is building the track. So just like you know, getting the, uh, the money and, and the most money from selling them, you don't have to collect sets in this case, but at the same time you still use them for tracks and for other things like that. So definitely one of those that has a similar kind of feel and a very different theme, but the game itself is done really, really well. Absolutely. Another game that we feel has a lot of overlap and a lot of uh, you know, similarities with Mars Needs Mechanics is Settlers of Catan. This is, you know, the quintessential supply and demand resource management board game. Obviously, the particular method for introducing resources is going to be different, you know, the dice rolls rather than simply flipping over new ones each turn. But in terms of, you know, managing scarcity, in terms of utilizing resources in order to construct you know, in the case of Marcy's mechanics mechanisms, in the case of settlers, roads, cities, those sorts of things, there's a lot of similarity there. So if you enjoy economic principles underlying your board games, definitely pick up Settlers of Catan. Also, obviously, it has a lot more on top of that system, you know, with building your civilization up, all those sorts of things. So if you want to take that economic model at the root of a game and have it in something that goes a little bit further, does a little bit more, Settlers of Catan. Look no further. And there you have it. That's our review of Mars Needs Mechanics. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope that you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out WashingtonCon.com to get your tickets for WashingtonCon, the premier gaming convention here in Washington, D.C. It's going to be a lot of fun. There are going to be some really cool people over there. We're going to be there. We're going to be having fun. I like um, the implication that we are not also really cool people. Well, I mean, there are going to be people that I, that others actually know versus us who, you know, I mean, we're pretty funny. We're, we think we're pretty funny at least, and, you know, there's that whole thing. But I'm sure that there's going to be enough um, friends on other people who will want to go play board games that it's going to be worth it. This year, you can get the Sunday-only tickets. You can get the children's price tickets. So if you have kids, you can get in there uh, for a little bit less. Actually, the two of us are going to be working on some metagame for WashingtonCon, which will be a lot of fun. So we really hope to see you there. And be sure to join us next time when we review Shadowrift. <laughs>